The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, so uh, what I plan on doing this morning is really just kind of continue the study that we're doing in the teen class, which is in Romans chapter 2. And so those of you who um, come on Wednesday night, right, you're getting, you're getting a large dose of, of Romans already. And uh, I do apologize <laughs> for that, that. In fact, Pastor is actually ahead of us now, if you can believe that, even though we started the study, like what? I don't know how long, two years ago or something. But... Uh, but in fairness, we haven't stayed in Romans the whole time. We've kind of, we've gotten, uh, we've had some lessons on election and kind of gotten into some other things besides Romans. But uh, yes, we are still in Romans chapter 2. Uh, so the text verse today is going to be uh, Romans 17 through 29. And uh, so I'll just, uh, we'll pray and uh, I'll read that to you here. Romans two seventeen through 29. All right, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God. We just trust that you will lay on our hearts this morning that which you'd have us to, uh, to know of your word. We just thank you that uh, you lead us and guide us into all truth, that you are the God of truth, that you're a loving father and you want us to know you intimately and, and know your will. And so we just pray that you help us to, to learn that this morning, help us to see that. And help us to love you more through this time. And we'll give you the thanks, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, Romans uh, chapter 2 here, starting in verse 17. The Bible says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and maketh thy boast of God. Paul is speaking to the Jews here in, in chapter 2. And uh, in chapter 1, he had spoken, addressed chapter 1 to the Gentiles. Verse 18, and knowest his will and proveth the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and art confident that thou thyself are a guide of the blind. Who's the blind? The Gentiles, right? A light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has which has the form of knowledge and of the truth and the law. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that saith a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that maketh thy boast of the law, through breaking the law, dishonorest thou God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written, For circumcision verily, verily profiteth, if thou keep the law, but if thou be a breaker of the law, thy circumcision is made uncircumcision. Therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision. And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee 
who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew which is which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So here in chapter 2, and really, well, throughout Romans, Paul is teaching the church, the Roman church, and not just the Roman church, but the church of all ages. He's teaching Berean Baptist Church, right? Uh, the doctrine of justification, and he's establishing this. He establishes the guilt of the Jew, of the, of the Gentiles in chapter 1. And in chapter 2, Paul is laboring to establish the guilt of the Jews who did not think they were guilty, did not think they were condemned by God. The Jews thought they were exempt from God's judgment and condemnation upon their sin. But, but Paul here is saying, nope, not so. And as we see, as we're going to see, Jesus said, that very thing to the, the Jews as well. We see many, many examples, especially to the scribes and to the Pharisees, where Jesus calls the Jews on the carpet for their hypocrisy and their sin. So if we look at Romans chapter 2 here, and we're going to first touch on verse 21, but Paul brings several charges against the Jews in the form of a series of rhetorical questions here. And... When we ask our kids a rhetorical question, especially our teenagers, do we really want an answer? <laughs> no, no. And Paul's not looking for an answer here, right? Paul is bringing, he's not, he's not asking if the Jews are guilty of these things. He's telling them, he's charging them that they are guilty of these things. So these are all rhetorical questions. These were not meant to be questions, but assertions or declarations of fact. Paul levels these charges against the Jews, immediately following him emphasizing the extraordinary privileges and blessings the Jews had received from God, far and above the Gentiles. Paul exposes the hypocrisy of the Jews which looked so good on the outside, on their exterior, yet this was only a pretense. It was only a facade to conceal their sin. In verse 21, the Bible says, Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? So Paul points to the, the arrogance and the hypocrisy of the Jews, the Jews not practicing what they preached. And unfortunately, as Christians, we're often guilty of that too, aren't we? That we don't practice what we preach. Especially the Jewish teachers. And were in practice, ignorant of the law. They were blind leaders of the blind. John Gill said the Jews have a saying, He that teaches men that which he himself does not is like a blind man who has a lamp in his hand and enlightens others, but he himself walks in darkness. And yet another beautiful say they are the words which come out of the mouths of them that do them. And... Uh, you know, there's a saying, your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And that was the case with the Jews. And we need to guard against that as Christians. That we live true. That we live true to our 
our verbal testimony, right? The Jews had numerous written and unwritten burdensome traditions handed down from their elders and the scribes that their teachers required. An example of that would be the Mishnah. This is the rabbinic oral Torah, which later was was put to writing about uh, 200 A.D. And then the Gemara later, which was in the 5th century, and together those books combine into the, what's called or known as the Talmud today. It was a compilation of all the rabbinic teachings. Right? You might say, you might say extra, extra teachings or extra scriptures, right? To what the Lord had provided to us. And in the teen class, we talked about this is, this is all just man-made religion, right? And it's what man does today. If you look at all the religions, you have Mormonism, they have their book on Mormonism, what the, what Jehovah Witnesses, you have the Watchtower magazine, which they try to, right, pedal and get in your hands and so forth. The Catholics, what do they have? The seven sacraments, right? From, from birth to death. And, and, uh, so every religion is guilty of this. And the Jews were guilty of this in their religion. And as Christians, we get guilty of this, don't we? Of legalism. Adding, adding to the scriptures, right? This is what makes you spiritual if you do this or you do that, right? But true spirituality is all of what? All of God and all of grace. Amen? Alright. Matthew 23. Verses 3 through 4, the Bible says, And therefore, whatsoever they bid you, Jesus, these are Jesus' words, and he was speaking of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus said, Whatsoever they bid you, observe. In other words, that which is agreeable to the law of Moses and to Scripture, do it. Jesus goes on to say, That observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say, and do not. So Jesus was saying, take heed to the scripture, to doctrine, but don't imitate the actions of the scribes and the Pharisees. They talked of good works, but did not do them. They strictly and severely required good works from others. However, they themselves were slothful and careless to practice them. The Bible goes on to say in verse 4, for they bind heavy burdens, and that word heavy is weighty. Heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. Extremely oppressive burdens on people. On the Jews. The traditions and the elders, the traditions of the elders and the scribes which were added to the law were known as, as they say, quote unquote, heavy Things and considered even heavier and weightier than even the law of Moses and the prophets, if you can believe that. That sacrilege. The scribes and Pharisees vigorously imposed them on men, requiring them to observe them strictly and with great penalties should they omit them. Uh, the Bible goes on to say here, and lay them on men's shoulders. So for bind, for they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And here's the hypocrisy. 
that Paul, that Jesus is pointing out of all the Jews, but of course, and particularly their their teachers, right? Their scribes and Pharisees that were looked up to as so religious, right? And holy men. When they could do so without public notice, the scribes and the Pharisees would make the burden of their traditions easier on themselves. They would make it lighter, right? By omitting the tradition altogether or by making it easier for themselves to fulfill. In contrast to the grievous legalistic yoke of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus' yoke, we're told, is easy. And his burden is light. That is what Christ requires, right? Matthew 11, in verses 28 through 30, Jesus said, Come unto me. And what he means by that is, Believe upon me. Come unto me, all ye that labor, all ye who are wearied with labor and are heavy laden, all you who are loaded up and burdened, overburdened. Are you overburdened with the guilt of the law for your sins? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Relieving you of that load? Taking that load off of you, that load of guilt for your sins? Are you overburdened with religious requirements or work salvation? That you have to keep working and you have to keep doing that ye might have eternal life. Jesus goes on to say, and I will give, and I will give, it's Jesus, right, who lightens the burden. It's Jesus who gives us salvation. It's a free gift of grace. It's unmerited. And I will give you rest. Jesus gives spiritual peace and rest by the justifying grace of God in Jesus Christ. Verse 29, Jesus goes on to talk about stewardship or lordship, salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Submit to Christ's lordship over your life. When you submit to Christ for salvation, and it's a genuine salvation, you are submitting, you are yielding your life to Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek, Christ is gentle, and lowly, he's humble in heart. And this, of course, was demonstrated through Christ as he walked upon this earth. I mean, the humility, right? Just to leave heaven, being God. To take on the form of a man. To put up with the humility that uh, he faced. We think of the scribes and Pharisees, the mockery, the violence to his person, the spitting, the crucifixion. We think of the crown of thorns, don't we? Around his, around his head, being smashed down on his head. 
as it dug into his skull. The humility of Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. What a contrast, though, to the scribes and the Pharisees who were harsh and so proud. And ye shall find rest unto your soul. Again, that spiritual rest that only Christ can give, that spiritual peace that only our dear Lord can give us. Verse 30, For my yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. It's good. It's gracious. And it's kind. And my burden is light. Jesus gives sufficient grace for every time of need. The Lord will never oppress us or give us a burden too heavy to carry. His commands are not burdensome, as John, 1 John 5.3 tells us, that His commands are not grievous. They're not weighty. They're not burdensome. And if you look at 1 John 5.3, if you turn to it, the Bible says there that we show that we love God by not just what we say, but by doing His commands. I'll, uh, I'll read that to you now. First John 5.3, For this is the love of God. This is how we show we love God. Not by what we say, but by what we do. That we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Jesus supplies us with the grace and the strength that we need each day. To live for Him, to get through the, all the trials of this life, all the rocky seas, all the temptations, if we just yield to Christ and submit to Him. John MacArthur said, Submission to Jesus Christ brings the greatest liberation a person can experience. Actually, the only true liberation he can experience Because only through Christ is he free to become what God created him to be. You see, it's sin that shackles and that binds us, right? It's sin that takes away, that enslaves us and takes away our true freedom and liberty which God intended. William E. Blackstone, an evangelist, wrote this poem. Thy precious will, O conquering Savior, doth now embrace and compass me. All discords hushed, my peace a river, my soul a prison bird set free. Sweet will of God still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in Thee. And then turning back to Romans 2, verse 21. We are going to finish this verse. <laughs> the Bible says, Thou therefore which teaches another, teaches thou not thyself. We looked at that, and the Bible goes on to say, Thou that preachest, and that's not just teachers, that's anybody that proclaims something, right? Anybody that heralds something. And in this case, Paul is saying, Thou that preachest a man should not steal, which is the eighth commandment. 
of the law, which the Jews claim to follow, right? And Paul says, dost thou steal? Again, is he asking or is he telling? He's telling, right? He's charging the Jews with stealing, with being thieves. Paul is leveling his charge here against all the Jews as a body of people who knew and proclaimed God's law that a man should not steal and was by no means directed exclusively at the scribes and Pharisees, the quote-unquote teachers of the law, but all the Jews in general. The charge of stealing that Paul brings forth is not to be spiritualized or taken in a spiritual sense, but quite literally. Evidently, in Paul's day, the sin of theft was all too common and widely practiced by the Jews. The scribes and Pharisees, we know, were certainly notorious for it. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 14, Woe unto you! Jesus was pronouncing judgment, right? Trouble, condemnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees! Hypocrites! Now, what does a hypocrite mean? What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor under an assumed character. A dissembler. One who conceals under a false pretense for the very purpose of deceiving. Deceiving others. Jesus went on to say, For you devour widows' houses. And I don't know about you, but I think of like a pack of wood, uh, of wolves, right? just devouring their prey. And that's how these scribes and Pharisees were to these widows in Matthew 23, 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses. And here's the theft. The scribes and Pharisees devoured, my mom used to say, house and home, right? <laughs> You're eating, you're eating us out of house and home. <laughs> but literally, the scribes and Pharisees, they were taking these widows, these poor widows, house and home. All of their goods, all their substance, substance to sustain them, right? All their material goods and what little support they had. The scribes and Pharisees plundered and pillaged the poor widows who were vulnerable who were without husbands to provide for them and to guide them, leaving them and their fatherless children destitute. To make matters worse, their avarice and theft was carried out under the guise of religion, under godliness and holiness. Isn't that the sin of deceit and sacrilege right there? As well as theft? Matthew 23, 14 continued, And for a pretense, that is, for an appearance or show, make long prayer. So they would make long prayers because, of course, they had to look the part. They had to look very spiritual. They had to look like they were holy, good men, right? By praying a long time. It's not the length of the prayer. It's the sincerity of the prayer. And unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is no sincerity. Because your motivations are all wrong. 
And for a pretense, make long prayer. Therefore, ye shall receive the greater damnation. And here we, among other things, see that there are greater degrees of punishment in the lake of fire. I mean, it's punishment enough, right? It's eternal torment. But there will be greater punishment for some, and there will be greater punishment for the Jews because they they have greater accountability because God gave them more. He gave them more spiritual advantages. He gave them more light and revelation. So they will suffer greater punishment. And you see among their sins and, well, you see among their sins covetousness. Uh, we see here in this verse 14. We see covetousness, we see theft, we see deceit, we see sacrilege. And what about that command to love others? We see a, a breaking of that, don't we? Paul continues in Romans 2.22. So back to Romans 2.22. Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, and that's the seventh commandment of the law, dost thou commit adultery? Dost thou commit adultery? These spiritual people who obey and follow the law religiously, does thou commit adultery? Again, is Paul asking or telling? He's telling. And again, the sin of adultery is literal. It's not to be spiritualized. Adultery was also a common sin among the Jews, which would include polygamy, having multiple wives, divorce, Matthew 19.9 tells us that we're not to put away our wife or husband, lest it be for what? Fornication, right? Adultery. So this would include polygamy, divorce, and adultery. The sins that the Jews were chiefly charged with by the Lord were oppressing the poor and adultery. Matthew 12, 39, But he answered and said unto them, This is Jesus' words here, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. That is, a special miracle from heaven. But the sign of the prophet Jonas, which God had already given. And if you want clarification on that, that's in Matthew twelve forty, the very... Next verse. The woman taken in adultery brought to Jesus by the adulterous scribes and Pharisees. We see in John 8, 9. And they, that is the accusers, which heard it being convicted by their own conscience, and they were convicted particularly, specifically about the sin of idolatry, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone. Now, he wasn't all alone. He was left alone of the adulterous accusers, the scribes and Pharisees who had brought the woman to him. The Bible goes on to say, and the woman standing in the midst, that is, of the people that were there, that Jesus was teaching in the temple prior to the scribes 
and Pharisees bringing this woman. This was the Jews' spiritual best, right? This was the Jews' religious best. And the Bible says they all went out, right? From the oldest, from the most esteemed religious scribe and Pharisee to the least. Romans 2.22 continued here. Thou that abhorrest idols. Abhor means to loathe, to detest, to hate. Thou that abhorrest idols. And at this time, we know the Jews passed. That it wasn't a good one in terms of idolatry, right? That throughout their past, they worshipped many idols. But at this time, by and large, the Jews did generally hate adultery. Knowing, of course, that it was a most, one of the most detestable sins to God, right? Galatians 5.20 and 1 Peter 4.3. Some references there. But verse 22, Thou that abhors idols, does thou commit sacrilege? Again, is Paul asking or is he telling? Does thou commit sacrilege? Is Paul asking or is he telling? He's telling. And of course, sacrilege would be sins against God, right? Ungodliness. This would be a violation of the first and second commands of the law. But that word sacrilege literally means in the Greek temple robber or the robbing of temples for which the Jews had many opportunities to do so. Sacrilege is violating and desecrating sacred things. Irreverence to God and holy things. This would include robbing God of His tithes and offerings. Malachi 3, verses 8-10. through 10. And appropriating, or in other words, taking to ourselves what belongs to God. Nehemiah 13, verse 10. So professing great reverence for God by their hatred for idolatry, yet the Jews showing great irreverence to God in other areas. And that kind of reminds me of what we do as Christians, right? Don't we pick and choose where we're going to obey God? Don't we? Isn't that what the Jews were doing? Well, they were reverent to God in certain areas, right? So they were good, right? Now, if we're going to show true reverence for God, we have to do that with sincerity and do that in all things, right? And when we fail, bring that to God. Ask for help. Repent of that sin and ask for help to get right. To please Him. To revere Him as we should. Amen? Malachi 3, verses 8-10. through 10, The Bible says, Will a man rob God? Will a man defraud God. Yet ye have robbed me, 
But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? Hey, just because we don't tithe, Lord, it's all right. It's all good. We love you. But we really do love you, Lord. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Because, of course, they didn't just have tithe. They had different offerings, right, that they were to bring as well, which Jesus did away with, right? In the New Testament, we were here on Wednesday, this last Wednesday night, and it's almost perfect timing because Brother Bun was saying <laughs> to the men, I know not all of you tithe. <laughs> so I think this does very much apply to us, doesn't it? And for those who do tithe, <laughs> this is a warning, right, to you to keep tithing. And yes, you ought to do it not just out of duty, but out of love for God. But we're all, we all can fall. We can all sin. So if you're doing the right thing by tithing, continue. <laughs> you could fall. Don't fall. Verse 9, Ye are cursed with the curse. With punery, with extreme poverty. God had shut the windows of heaven and caused it not to rain. They couldn't grow crops. They were starving, right? Famine. Everywhere. You're cursed with the curse, for ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation, or this whole na- Jewish nation in general, has robbed me of my tithe and of my offerings. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, into the treasury. See the treasurer? <laughs> bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat, that there may be food in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, bring down rain, so it's pouring out, right? That there shall not be room enough to receive it. And here we have the blessed promise, if we obey God, we'll be blessed, right? Doesn't mean we'll be rich, doesn't mean we'll be wealthy, but we'll have what we need, amen? I have to wrap it up here. Brother Dalton's he's... <laughs> He's the watchdog there. He's coming in. Let me just finish uh, this up here, and then we'll quit. Nehemiah 13, 10 through 12. And I perceive that the portions of the Levites had not been given. They had not been given from the priests, right? Of the priests to the Levites. They distributed, distributed them their necessities and their needs. For the Levites and the singers that did work, in the temple, that is, were fled every one to his field. Verse 11, Then contended I with the rulers, with the priests. And by the way, some things are worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for God. The contend, then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Why is no care taken of the ministers? And I gathered them together, that is the Levites and the singers that had fled, that had abandoned the work of God because they weren't provided for, and set them in their place, in their station of work in the temple. Verse 12, Then brought all Judah the tithe. So then the people began to tithe again. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil unto the treasuries. 
Robbing God of his tithe is clearly sacrilege, is it not? And this is a charge that Paul brings to the Jew. Theft. Theft. And this was just one area of that theft, but we do have to um, close. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for all that you do give us. Help us to realize that what, what is ours is not ours. What is ours is yours. It's yours first and foremost. And not just our tithe, but our talents, our time. That we're here to serve you. Lord, we also pray that we would not be prideful. That we would not be so prideful as to think that we couldn't fall to any of these sins. Maybe we are already involved in one of the sins that we talked about today. We ask for forgiveness. We ask for cleansing. We ask that you would help us to please you in every area of our life, that you would keep us humble, that you would help us to remember that you're the great God and creator and we are just your humble, lowly servants. Help us to model Christ in our life to the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.